welcome to another episode of Theology Jam. I'm Matthew Burkholder. I'm here with John Korkadakis. And uh, we're actually going to be dealing with a question that was submitted to us. Um, we, we have received some emails, and we do appreciate it. So, uh, of course, whenever somebody emails you a question, it's always a difficult one. Right? Oh, it's never easy. It's yeah, never going to be yeah. an easy one, And which, I mean, we want to be able to tackle some difficult questions. And, and so you, you have the question, and I guess we'll just dive right into it. Yeah, we received this letter from one of our listeners, and... Um, uh, this is, this is how the email reads, so we're setting the stage for what we're going to be talking about this morning. Uh, listening to your podcast with Matthew, I like the fact how you both approach the topic and come to some kind of conclusion. Would you consider discussing the following topic? How to wrestle with the death of a loved one who is not a believer? There are so many opinions on their eternal destination, even for believers. I find it also just about impossible to ask a mourning person if their loved one was a follower of Jesus, especially because the fear of eternal punishment is so vivid in our collective memories. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for the question. And as you alluded to, Matthew, uh, when we do get these questions, they're rarely very easy to deal with. Um, what what would be what would be your first response to a question like this? Because this is really deep. Yeah, I, I actually just even just rereading the question again, just appreciate the way it was worded. Yeah. Um, there's there's some important important words like wrestle, right? Which is something we wrestle with. Uh, the fact that there's so much opinion involved in something like this, um, and I think. I think the person who has asked the question uh, has really hit on hit on something that maybe we should just say at the outset. It isn't like she says he or she says it's impossible to ask somebody. Like maybe let's just right off the bat and say let's just not ask people those things. Let's right? just not, not ask. Let's yeah, that's yeah. that's maybe not the thing that we are saying to people who are in mourning, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But. I mean, there's there's going to be a couple angles that we can tackle this. There's the pastoral angle. There's sort of like the theological angle. And, and those things overlap, obviously. Um, but this isn't something that I've really had to deal with, to be perfectly honest. Um, I'm, I've never really been part of that sort of pastoral side of, of ministry. So you could probably speak to to that as well, right? So. Oh, wow. Well, you know, I, I remember a mentor many years ago when I was wrestling through this at, at a moment when, you know, beca- because you're a pastor, because you're a theologian, and because you're a Christian, and because you know uh, about the, you know, the afterlife and what's promised and all this kind of stuff, you, you feel like there's this expectation that you've got to say something. But I remember this mentor saying to me, it's in those moments when you shut up mm-hmm. and, and very poignant in that in that regard so it's it's not a time for theology it's not a time for you know opinion said first and foremost you just sit and cry with that person you just be as much of an emotional support as you can possibly possibly be because it's a difficult time and of course it's it's an emotional time and they need at least that emotional support and, and the person even said to me, they're probably wrestling with the questions of why and eternal questions 
to begin with. Right. Okay. So those those are really tough. You know, um, I, I, you know, is it is it Paul and Romans that say we weep with those who weep? You know, and I think that's very, very important. That if if there's one thing that the person should be able to say um, who's grieving is that they should be able to say first and foremost, so and so was there for me at a very difficult time. And I, and I think that's, that's, that's the goal in a situation like that. Um, and secondly, you know, uh, got to go to John 11, right? Here's Jesus, you know, incarnate son of God with the power of heaven and earth, you know, and power over victory over death, all that stuff. And before he raises Lazarus from the dead, he cries. He takes time to weep with with. You know, Mary and Martha and everybody else that is there, which I think is really significant. And I think it points to, you know, an important principle. But, you know, I want to I get into, into the next part, but I'm kind of getting into that very cautiously. Um, as believers, you know, I absolutely believe in the authority of Scripture and what the Bible tells us, etc. But is it fair to say that ultimately we don't really know? Yeah, and I think that speaks to the the sort of temptation to just say things, right? Yeah. Because I think in, in a lot of those moments we don't know. We don't really know. Um, we, we don't. We're, we are limited to... Uh, like life, right? Like this is this is all we. None of us are are are. You know, we don't get to see on the other side, right? Death is the end, right? For for us in this life, and and I think there's a lot of vulnerability in that. There's a lot of fear in that. Um, and and just how many people I know who have lost somebody or they've gone through the grieving mourning process and people are just saying things to them to to sort of fill this the space or because they don't they don't know what to say and so they just say you know they just say things um and and it might be better just to be if we have to say anything just be like i don't know right like we don't know yeah and just accept that and, and, and include that in our grief and in our mourning as well, right? Like there's a, you know, there's, there's a mystery to the, to the afterlife. There's a, there's, it's a realm that we are not privy to, right? We, we don't, we we don't experience it. We don't, we, right? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I know we have some very definitive state statements in Scripture, but what, what do you do with a thief on the cross with 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 Jesus? You know, um, if you had to talk to that thief's family and, and say, "Well, he's on that cross because he's been a thief all his life." You know, he's lived mm. this, you know, life of unrighteousness, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But here he is in his in his dying breaths. You know. Um, coming to terms with who he is and who Jesus is and et cetera, et cetera, you know, and, and we don't know in those, in those 
moments in, in a person's life where they open up themselves to the, you know, to, to the grace of God. We, mm-hmm. just, we just don't know. Um, you know, it, it happens, it can happen really quickly. And I, and I know we want to see an evidence of that in life. And, and there's all this human emotional stuff that happens. Right. Um, you, you know, um, I, I remember a number of years ago, um, tell this little story, but we had a neighbor um, and they were quite elderly and he ended up in the hospital. And then, and I remember the wife kind of leaning over the fence and saying to me, can you go visit him? Because this doesn't look good. And I had no idea why she wanted me to visit. She knew I was a pastor, et cetera, et cetera. So I went and visited him. And I, I remember uh, presenting the gospel to him. We talked about, well, I basically talked about church. You know, you ever, you ever thought about the afterlife and stuff like that? Mm. And it's funny, but I presented him the gospel and he used to go to Sunday school. Like he was well into his 80s and he remembered that he'd go to some Sunday school and he would hear these stories, but he hadn't been to church since he was a, you know, a, a child. And, mm. and um, I remember him coming to the Lord and I think it was the next day that he passed away. Okay. And uh, I was asked to do the, the funeral and... I remember after the funeral, because I, I told that story, I remember after the funeral, um, one of his nephews coming up to me and actually was in Bible college and, mm. and had come from out of town, et cetera, et cetera, and said to me, I had no idea. I had been praying for, for you know him, and, and I had no idea that right. he had come to faith like at that last last yeah. minute and thank you for what you did, et cetera, et cetera. So it was really powerful, right. you know? But if I had not been there to communicate that story, right. they would have had questions right. about his eternal destiny. Right. And I, I think you've brought up a good point. It's something we've touched on, a lot, I think, a lot in the, in the podcast is, is there is, especially in the Gospel of Luke, um, there's a real, and, and Mark, there's a real inversion of expectations, right? The people that we expect to be the spiritual man or woman who the person who we would be like that person is definitely, definitely. in the kingdom right Jesus is 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 actually inverting that and and it's the people who are least expected to be on the recipient of God's grace and God's community and God's um, acceptance and forgiveness and so you you know we don't know right uh humanly speaking we we might think we have somebody figured out and, and we don't know we don't know the internal life of 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 people right yeah. and 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 thankfully God does, and I think this is just something I've had to tell myself in in moments where I need to comfort myself is um my standard of justice is not going to be uh, more perfect than God's standard of justice, right? Mm-hmm. And so my my understanding of love is not going to be better than God's understanding of love and my understanding of compassion and grace and mercy. If we believe that God is all these things in a, in a perfect sense, then how 
um, how God um, deals with somebody in the afterlife is going to be perfectly just, perfectly loving, perfectly compassionate and merciful and gracious. And, and I've had to, I've had to take some comfort in that. And, uh, and in my own imagination, when somebody has passed away and thinking to myself, I can, what, what do I imagine is happening when this person encounters Christ? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, some people have some pretty awful things that they think about, uh, people in the afterlife. And, um, I'm just at that point where I have to, I have to trust God. I have to imagine Christ and I have to, um, and admit that I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, and and, 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 and and that's the heart of the primary question right. that's being asked about this because um, maybe they're not um, consoling a friend. Right. This is someone that they've known for a long time, that they've right. cared about, have deep emotional connection with. And, you know, they, they know that person has, you know, rejected Christ and now they're gone. Mm-hmm. What you know? How do you how do you grieve that? How do you, right. you know? And I and I and I think you know, um, we can we can make some dangerous assumptions. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, you know. But at the same time, we do have to trust in the perfect justice of God, who knows the heart in ways that we don't. Mm-hmm. And and I have to lean into that. Mm-hmm. I, I really have to lean into that because. I do believe in a gracious God and a, and a God who enacts justice. Mm-hmm. What about, you know, what if this person had been so um, incredibly abused by the church and their, you right. know, and their barrier to God was, you know, legitimate, at least from a trauma standpoint? Right. You know, and I know I'm making excuses here and, and all that kind of stuff, but... I don't think that's an excuse, though. I think that's, I think that's a legitimate question to raise and i don't i don't think i don't i don't think we can um we can't we just can't ignore that right like in our own imagination in our own experiences with people who are hurting right like so much of so much of our experiences are are our choices are obviously very important, but so much of our um, personality, experiences, outlook on life is based on uh, how other people have made their choices, yeah. right? Yeah. And so for me, like when I imagine somebody who has lived this life, uh, who has maybe been hurt, maybe even hurt in the name of Christ, uh, and then goes to meet Christ, I, I am going to be very slow to say, well, maybe just because they didn't maybe make this profession or they were, maybe they, you know, they weren't baptized or they didn't maybe want to get, like maybe they, maybe they left the church. Like I am not going to be so, um, arrogant to think, I'll use that word. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be so arrogant to say that I know what's happening. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. 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 From an absolute sense. Right. right? That's, yeah. 
It, it is, and you know, and you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of all the funerals I've done. I've done mm. done a lot of funerals over yeah. almost thirty years, and um, uh, I have to admit, there's a sense of relief I have when um, I know they're a believer. Right. Like at least from a human standpoint, right. I know they've, you know, been, you know, faithful and and you know committed mm. to Christ, et cetera, et cetera. It does shape the way you celebrate their lives um, in, in the end. Um, but then there's, you know, those other situations where the family doesn't even know. Nobody, nobody knows. And it's like, how do you, how do you present, you know, and, and how do you talk about that person's life? And how right. do you talk about... And, and you know, I've, I've had the privilege of, you know conducting, you know, celebrations of life with people who were, on a human standpoint, incredible human beings, okay? And had to walk this delicate balance of not assuming anything, but presenting the justice of God, Mm -hmm. the comfort of God, the hope of God, you know, the reassurance that we have, and, and and all that kind of stuff. But it, it is, this is a really, really hard topic because there's just so much that we don't know right. about, about the final condition of that specific person right. uh, in the intimacy of their own hearts. And, and I, think it's, I think for us to assume one way or another mm-hmm. uh, is, is a bit presumptuous. Right. Yeah, and there, there. I mean, there have been theologians who have tried to tackle these things too. I don't know if I've ever talked about the end of memory on this podcast. The, no, the book no, by I don't think so. by Miroslav Volf, uh, who was who was a uh, mentored by uh, Moltmann, who's Moltmann, yeah, yeah, who's who's the sort of the topic of my dissertation and a lot of years of research. But I mean, he he deals with the with the problem of memory in the afterlife right and how you know if there is injustice here in this earth and um you know that carries on into into the afterlife that it would be sort of um in his view it would be a problem if sort of those injustice were left to sort of continue he said it'd be like injustice is sort of floating above us for eternity right mm. Um, and so some theologians have tried to tackle sort of the tension by, uh, looking at, looking at the afterlife as a place where sort of those injustices are resolved in, in however long it takes. Right. Or, and then sort of memory ceasing at that point. And, and I mean, this is highly speculative, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it is sort of a, um, you know, it is an interesting way to think about, life after this life as, as a place where things will be resolved. Right. Um, there is a verse which says every knee will bow. Right. So there is a, you know, in, in the, in the new Testament, the idea is that humanity will acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Um, what that, what that means, I don't, I don't entirely uh, what that means from an eternal standpoint, I guess, is what I mean, yeah. uh, is, is hard to say. Um, but there are, I guess the point I'm trying to make, and the question alludes to it, is there are different opinions, right? And, 
you know, there's, you have a Greek Orthodox background, right? There's a lot of rich theology in Greek Orthodox thought about the afterlife. Yeah, and, yeah. And Resurrection like is really a, right? a mainstay. Yeah. yeah, and so that has shaped the way Eastern Orthodox people have thought about the afterlife. The Western world has thought about the afterlife a certain way. Um, it was the talk. The topic of hell has not been. I mean, Christians from every generation, century, and tradition have thought about these things differently. Yeah. And so uh, just to be honest about the history of Christianity, I, I think we can say there is room to sort of have different beliefs about these things too. Um, but you mentioned hope too, right? And hope, I think, is a big one. when we When we think about the afterlife, we think about a person's existence and our response to death is is one where we can i think have to sort of resolve to hope right and i mean even catholic theologians have 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 uh dared to hope that all will be saved right like that's even a right yeah isn't that a, a part about? of their prayer or right yeah yeah, yeah. like and, and, and that's why they have purgatory right okay yeah, yeah. a place where things are you know baltazar who was a famous catholic theologian wrote a book about that i mean carl bart said he was not he was not um you know he would dare never hope that God's love would somehow redeem all of creation and, and all of, and, and, you know, that he was comfortable in that sort of hope. Um, and I think that's, that's okay. You can hold those two things, I think, in tension, like I'm not knowing and acknowledging the reality of, of justice and wanting justice. Mm -hmm. Right. There's also, there's a, there's a flip side to this too, is sometimes people, who are evil, right? Like yeah. Oh, yeah. when we think about evil, yeah. pe like people who are wicked. Yeah. And I know I had a good friend who, whose stepdad was horribly abusive to him, like just in every way, just a vile man, mm. right? And he was, what do I do? My stepdad's in the hospital and he's dying. What do I do? What do you do? Yeah. I'm so angry. I don't like, and, and the idea of, of maybe there not being any justice resolved in that sense, right? Yeah. You know, we we struggle with hell and I do and I I have questions about it. I can I, I struggle through it. Um but then there's also, you know, the whole just everything's happy, go lucky, everyone's saved in the end. That's a problem in its own right too. Yeah, you know, I was going to say you have to be yeah. careful not to slide into universalism. Exactly, right? Yeah. Which is, which is, um, you know, um, I, I might get myself in trouble for saying this, but there's the human tendency to, you know, embrace universalism right. from an emo emotional standpoint. Right. We do want, you know, we don't want everybody. You know, the, I think there's something intrinsically wrong with you as a human being if you desire to see people go to hell. Can I just say that? Uh, yeah. 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 Like that should be, yeah. that should be a, right. a point of tension. That should be a point of, of struggle for each and every one of us because it, it's not pretty. It's, it's, it's not pretty. And, mm -hmm. and you know, my, my, um, my uh, 
impression of hell, at least you know from everything that that I understand biblically, is that this is where the full manifestation of sin is allowed to run rampant without any limitations. Mm-hmm. And just think about that, about the human condition, if, if that isn't, in, in essence, what hell is, mm-hmm. right? Um, that, and, you know, some, some theologians have even embraced um, nihilism, you know, for the people that don't deserve heaven. Because it's been a struggle for, right. you know, from a, an emotional standpoint for a lot of years. And for this person, um, it sounds like they f- have found themselves in a position like this, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's not easy. There's a lot of lot of right. tension, right? And um, another thing that is fascinating too is uh, we we should keep in view sort of questions about eternity and afterlife and those things as well. But the church sometimes can get a little bit too focused on that too, right? It's it's all about getting people into heaven when they die and ignoring the like ignoring the very real hell of people's lives on earth, right? Yeah, I was um, you know, um you you've you've heard this obviously a number of times and probably a number of people in our church have heard this a number of times, but a big aha moment, you know, in the years that I've I've taught the gospel of John is that eternal life in John starts at the moment of belief, mm-hmm. right? It's not a, you know, this is something that happens at death. It, you know, there is some element that when we come to faith and belief that we begin to experience, you know, the benefits of eternal life here and now. It's part of what Jesus promised as fulfillment. It's part of, part of what Jesus promised when we become his disciples, we will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You know, there's there's all this imagery of what it means to to follow Jesus in this life. So um, I do appreciate the theologians that that you know, as you just mentioned, that say let's let's not just focus at right. the death part. There's there's right. much greater kind of right. um, you know theology here that we need to embrace, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's that's really important. Um, but it does, it does, you know, lend us. And by and by the way, purgatory comes out of the Maccabees, comes out of the Book of Maccabees, Second Maccabees. I think, okay, yeah. you know, where I always thought it was just purely a Catholic idea, but it did come out of a intertestamental period hmm. document that yes, they right. at least embrace. But yes, we don't. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's um, purgatory. I mean, I'm not, I'm not well versed in Catholic theology. Uh, but even purgatory, I think, has been pretty misunderstood. Yeah. I think I think it was a place for for Christians to sort of go and have these sort of resolutions, right? Um, <laughs> oh yes, um, and I mean, you you obviously are, you know, you you know your biblical theology too, and um, I often I often say. Uh, when I'm talking about the differences between the New Testament and the Old Testament, this stuff just sort of comes out of nowhere too, right? Like we can start talking about the cultural context of some of these ideas about heaven and hell too, right? Because yeah. all of a sudden the Old Testament sort of has this 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 idea about Sheol and this yeah. afterlife and, and, and it's not, it, it doesn't seem to be as clearly defined. And then we've got, 
New Testament using all sorts of Greek words and Greek ideas. And so there's, there's, a, there's a whole other, maybe that's a whole other conversation we don't need to get into. But even within the Bible, you see this sort of, um, this sort of ongoing conversation about it too, right? It's, yeah. it's, there's development. There's, it's not, it's not entirely um, fully formed until you, I don't know. I don't know if that helps at all, but I think it can add to sort of the, it can add to, for me at least, that uh, there is, there's, ten, there's tension. Yeah. There's some, there's yeah, can, yeah. element to things that we just don't really understand. Yeah. Can know? we, can we just say that this is really hard? Yeah. There is tension. There's so much emotion attached to it. We don't ultimately know 100%. Right. Okay. Um, you know, and the person would have to be pretty evil or pretty, you know, destructive kind of thing. And, and you know, I, I think there's, and, and I've had that experience where mm-hmm. people have rejected for a long time. And then, you know, um, at some point of their life, they've kind of said, hey, Right. Maybe right. there's something to this, and I'm at an age where I have enough friends that are, that have sort of paused and said, "Well, maybe there's more to this than I've given it credit over over the years." You know, um, you know, my own brother, right? Um, I I have one brother. Uh, we both grew up really close. We both grew up with the same experiences, um, you know, uh, and. He, to this day, totally rejects God in a violent way, mm. totally violent way. I can't even talk to him about about God or, you know, because he just... And, and yet I know why he reacts so violently, right? Um, um, I was part of those experiences when he heard stuff that really bothered him. Mm-hmm. And it was done in a way that was very callous. And he was unwilling to, to hear it and, and all that stuff. It had the opposite effect on me, um, but not not initially. It was that you know I when I got more discerning, I realized what, what was going on. Mm-hmm. But he never got to that place. Mm-hmm. And and again, like what happens, you know? And and I just continue to pray that as he gets older, that maybe there's going to be this opportunity because I keep praying for him. Mm-hmm. If there's an opportunity that. He's going to hear something different, and I'm going to be able to have a conversation with him that's mm-hmm. much more rational than he's experienced. Right, and and it, it does speak to just the complexity of 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 this whole topic, right? And why people are where they're at. Um, you know, I was uh, when I was talking about my friend whose stepdad was dying in the hospital. Um, he actually did go see him. Mm. And he, he went and extended forgiveness to him. And this, this man is not a Christian, the, my friend. And uh, that was one of those moments where I, I saw a little glimpse of like the radical nature of, of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And, um, and, and if a human can, can do that, I think it's I think it's safe to say that God's God will be even more gracious in in that extension that offer. And I heard I heard uh, 
I heard someone once say that love, part of love, is allowing people the dignity of their own choices. Yeah, yeah. And if God's love is not is not diminished by allowing people to reject Him in a clear clear way, I might use that. <laughs> on, on a love sermon coming up because I think that's really powerful. It, it is. And, yeah. and so I don't, I mean, wasn't it uh, in the great divorce, C.S. Lewis says that the door to hell is locked from the inside. Yeah, locked from the inside. Right. Yeah, I, I, think that's a, I think that's an old uh, orthodox saying. But in other words, right, it's to keep God out. Yeah, he, yeah you know, oh, I'm, going, I'm going back to... Uh, and I can't remember who wrote it. Uh, I read something quite a while ago that, um, you know, somebody, you know, passed away but was given the privilege of seeing those in, in hell and those in, in, uh, in heaven, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, they come to this great big sort of, you know, vat with all this food, a banquet of food, and, and the people in hell had these really long spoons, right? And you could you could get the food, but you can never get the spoon into your mouth, right? Because the, the you know the spoon was so long and you just you just couldn't do it because just because of the uh, the way it, it all had been built. And mm-hmm. um, anyway the the persons and this is so they're always starving, always fighting over the food, always trying to you know all this stuff and never getting anywhere. So mm. very, a lot of frustration and you know gnashing of teeth and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So the the person takes them into the heaven component and it, and it's like it's the exact same vat, same room, same spoons, everything else, but everybody it's 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 heavenly. Everybody's fed every. Uh, and the difference was is they figured out that they could feed each other. Feed each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, a pro- that's a great proverb. Like, you know, great, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I was always struck. I was always struck by that right. picture. I always thought it was very, you know, yeah. well-meaning. But at the same time, um, I, I remember hearing, and and I, I didn't get the chance to do this, but I remember hearing that every time Jesus talks about hell. He's talking to religious people. Yes, always in earshot of the of yeah. the religious leaders. Always in, we yeah. in earshot. Yeah. And, yeah. and why? Right. Like Samaritan woman, why doesn't he? Right. You need to believe this, or else. Uh, you know right. the the blind man in John nine. Like, list goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. But it's the religious people that Jesus has the harshest comments mm-hmm. for. And anyway. We could go another hour just talking yeah. about you know the, the the tension of that and yeah how that may contribute to some of the problems that we're seeing yeah. when it comes to this topic. Well, thank thanks for the question. Who the the, the individual sent it in? Really appreciate it. Yeah, um, and hopefully it was helpful. Um, I I think there's only so much help you can do with a question like that. I think there really is just. Um, you know, there's an there's the unknown, the unknown, right? There's yeah, and that's, and that's there's the thing the about grief. Yeah. yeah. Right? You you just need to grieve it mm-hmm. and trust God with it. Yeah. And really, those are the, the bottom lines. Grieve with those people. Mm-hmm. Be there and, and support. Grieve for yourself. Right. But 
trust God and trust in the justice of God. Mm-hmm. All right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the question. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. And if you have any more questions, feel free to email us at, uh, at uh, theologyjam at gmail.com. Uh, of course, you're listening to this on your, um, your podcast uh, distributor as cho- of choice, but yeah, f- um, feel free to share it as well too. If you, if you enjoy this podcast, you like it, uh, give us a share. Um, most podcast providers have a really quick, easy way to do that. Um, and thank you to those who do subscribe, those who do listen. Um, I had someone come up to me on Sunday, just telling me how much they love the podcast and oh. how much it's just, they just are encouraged by it. So it, it is something we really enjoy doing. And this year we really, we want to really, really invest a lot more into this podcast. So. Yeah, we're looking forward to some really good, more more good interviews. Yeah. We've had some great interviews the yeah. last uh, yeah. Yeah, little while, and we're going to continue having even more. Yeah. All right, well, thanks a lot, and we'll uh, catch you guys on the next episode.